and um, I will, we're kind of working through, I've got one more Wednesday night, I thought tonight was the uh, last uh, session for the month, but um, it's not, I've got one more Wednesday night, so I'm going to pick up where uh, that I left off uh, with talking about these stages of Armageddon, and the first stage uh, was assembling the, the armies uh, of the Antichrist, and then in stage two, uh, we talked about the destruction of Babylon, and then we got to uh, the third stage was the fall of Jerusalem, and uh, then we get to the fourth stage, uh, that was the armies of the Antichrist there at Basra, and then the fifth stage was the national regeneration of Israel. The sixth stage was the second coming of the Messiah. And then the seventh stage, which I did two weeks ago, was the battle from Basra to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And so tonight, I'm just going to kind of introduce something. I want to start uh, in Matthew chapter 24, and I would like for you to look there at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4. Uh, the Bible uh, says there, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4, and Jesus answered, this is the Olivet Discourse, and uh, if you, you, I hope you remember this, uh, but, but whenever the disciples asked Jesus a question, they asked him some questions in verse 3. Uh, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. And then the answer is there in verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So we're in a place now where we are understanding that deception is in high gear. I would just say this, the video clip that you watched in my thoughts, uh, the parents of that child, that's child abuse. Now you say, well, you're stretching it. Well, that, that's, that's, that's not, that child is running that home. And that's not the way the Lord designed it. The Lord designed parents. Uh, their kids think they need parents. As a, your parents, not your buddy. Uh, they can be your buddy after you grow up and move out. Uh, but what, what I needed, and I thank God for it, I had a firm hand. And uh, my dad, and I'm t I was a I was a wild, rambunctious kid. I, I look back and I think, dear God, if I'd have had me as a son, I don't know what in the world I might have been locked up. Uh, but but my dad, and I thank God for that. My dad was very much, um, very strong in my life and in Mark's life as well. And I would just tell you here tonight that, that your children should not be running your homes. Uh, parents, you need to be uh, very much in charge uh, of your home. So deception in high gear. Look at verse 8. Bible says there, it says, All these are the beginning of sorrows. That means that there are birth pangs. Now, since October, you remember October, whenever everything started taking place in Israel, there was a lot of calamity, a lot of attention, a lot of eyes that were being turned in that direction. I even told you about Telegram, mentioned some of the people that you might want to follow uh, on that. And it really, I think that during the month of October, early November, 
our minds were very much in the place where we were very aware that things are, are starting to wind down from a prophetic standpoint. But now that we've gotten almost to the end of January, I think everything's kind of cooled down, even though there's still a lot that's going on in, in Israel and in Gaza, and also even a lot that's still going on with Russia and Ukraine. Here's what's happened to us. We've kind of gotten, you know, we're, we're kind of getting adjusted to that. The reason that I read this verse here, particularly verse 8 to you here, uh, all these are the beginning of sorrows. That means they're birth pangs. Now you think about whenever a mother starts to have a child. You know, they start with the contractions. And those contractions, they can really get very, I mean, very, I've never had a baby, but I've, I've carried a number of mothers up in the wheelchair back whenever I was an orderly at the hospital. And I'm telling you, it looks like it hurts, okay? And uh, I'll just leave it at that. And then the contraction will ease up. And then five minutes, eight minutes, 12 minutes, it, it tightens back down again. And as it gets closer to the birth of that child, then the contractions get more forceful and they get more quick or more faster. Uh, Increasing, yes, frequency, that's a good word. Uh, yes, increase in frequency, and, and my wife worked for a number of years in labor and delivery. In fact, she delivered uh, two or three kids, I don't remember exactly how many, uh, but she delivered some babies before the physician got there. Now, she didn't get paid uh, what those physicians made, but, but, but my wife has delivered some babies before because the physicians didn't get there fast enough, and... Uh, and so, but what I'm getting at here is that those contractions in childbirth, they wax and they wane. And that's the way it is with prophetic understanding. There's it right now, it's kind of waned, and there's kind of that, our attention is maybe not at the point of like, oh no, here we go, uh, because we kind of lean into that particular area. But when you look at the increase in violence, racial conflict, uh, the Middle East War, political corruption. And I, I'm having a reference to the Jeffrey Epstein situation. That you start realizing the political corruption that has taken place in our world. Then you start realizing we're living in very evil times and Paul was right whenever he said that evil men will wax worse and worse. And so all of these things now are being brought in to the marketplace. They're being brought into the classrooms. They're being brought into every area of life. Our cartoons that our kids are watching now, they're not Bugs Bunny. They're not the Roadrunner. Uh, they're not Elmer Fudd. Now there is an agenda that is behind every bit of that. What is that agenda? It's to change their thinking. The agenda is to change the way you think. And so the best thing to do is just understand that holiness is prohibitive in its part. There are certain things that the closer you get to the Lord, the more you say, I'm disinterested in those things. They, they just don't have the grasp or the pull on me that they once have had. I think some of that... Is a matter of spiritual maturity. And so if you see somebody 
that has been in the church for a long period of time and their walk in holiness is not any closer to God, I, I would, I personally, I, I would move away from those people. I would say that's true for a local church. I would say that's true. I, I run and, and move around a lot of preachers. And, and I try to be aware. And if I start listening and hearing, sir, I, move, I move away. I, I don't want people, look at who your friends are. And whoever your friends are, that's who you'll be 10 years from now. And so if, you, if there are people that are around you that are praying people, if there are people that are around you that are interested in the Word of God, then that's going to be the direction of your life. If you hang around with a bunch of gossipers and tail bears and critical of the church, can't hardly ever make it to prayer, church attendance is inconsistent, that's who you will be in 10 years' time if you continue to fellowship and to hang around with those folks. Now, I know I'm, I'm preaching right now. Okay, I'm preaching. And, and, and again, discernment. Is, there's a clarity. Put your, put your glasses on. See, open your eyes. Get in the Word of God. Pray. Worship. Let the Lord lead and guide you in a direction where that you're going to be able to do the will and the purpose of God. And so what we're looking at is they want to remove um, completely the impact of Christianity. Uh, they want to take the morals and the ethics and the justice out. And yet whenever they remove the foundation of Christianity, a society will collapse. Now if you heard me preach Sunday night and you, you heard me talking about being some of the descriptions of, of Nero and his actions... If you look at the collapse of Rome, America looks like it's very much in that same trend that everything was about bread and circuses. What's bread about? Get on a check. Give me a check. Give me a check so I can go buy bread. What's the circuses about? Sports. Our, state, our stadiums are full, whether it's collegiate, whether it's professional, and everybody is like, oh, we want, we, just so long as we got something to eat and as long as we're being entertained. That was the part that wrecked Rome, was bread and circuses. And if you just Google that, if you just Google bread and circuses, you will be amazed what you will come up with from a historical standpoint. So let's get to point number eight, the eighth stage. And that is where that the victory ascent and goes up the Mount of Olives. Now, we want to start in Zechariah chapter 14, and uh, we've kind of moved around enough in Zechariah 14 that I hope you're kind of developing a, a sense of, um, of maybe familiarity with it. But look there with me to verses 3 and 4. Here is what the Bible says. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, the east toward the west. There shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. 
So what you're seeing there is you're seeing a description of the victory ascent that the Lord is starting to go up whenever he climbs up, or walks up rather, the Mount of Olives. So let's back up a chapter, two chapters. Let's look at chapter 12 and let's look in verse 7. Now here, here's where that you begin to see the intervention of the Lord that first of all, he's going to save Judah. And here's what the Bible says. It says, The Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. So here's the stage. is that the Lord is going to come in. He's going to save Judah first, and then he's going to move in, and he will take care of Jerusalem. Now, turn back to chapter 14, and let's look at verse 3 just a moment. Look at what it says. It says, the Lord fights. And then in verse 4, there's a description that whenever his feet stands in that day in the Mount of Olives, something is going to take place, that there's going to be a, a splitting of the mountain. There's going to be a valley that's going to be developed. Now, here's the part about personal Bible study. And again, I, I think I may have mentioned this to you, uh, but the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge, you can get that on the Blue Letter Bible app. Uh, you can get that in Logos. You can get it in eSword. Uh, it's a free, it's in, in public domain now because it's so old. And, and what here, here's, here's the power of Scripture is that whenever you see something in the Old Testament and then you work with the treasury of Scripture knowledge and you link it up and you can begin to see that something that Zechariah talked about uh, in 487 B.C. and then you fast forward to where John is at in the book of Revelation that is somewhere around 90 A.D. which puts it at right at 500 years that what's taking place is there is a cohesiveness where that Scripture interprets Scripture. So what we're going to do is we're going to let the book of Revelation interpret for us what's taking place in Zechariah chapter 14. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn over to Revelation chapter 16. And Revelation chapter 16, starting in verse 17 Here's where you kind of see them dovetailing together where that Zechariah 14 fits in with what's taking place in Revelation 16. Now, there's, there's a number of cataclysmic events that take place. First of all, you see one of the, the, the seventh bowl judgment. And then that is in the midst of all of the great tribulation that's going on. Look in verse 17. It says, And the seventh angel poured out his vial, or his bowl, into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, 
and the mountains were not were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of an talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Now we had some hail here a few weeks ago here in Dothan and uh, probably about the size maybe of golf balls, maybe the size of a baseball. Uh, this description here uh, that John sees is that these, these hailstones are going to be the weight of a talent. How much is that? It's about 120 pounds. So when you start looking at that, is you know this, and those, those things, they woke us up, and they're pounding on the roof, and you're like, oh my goodness, what in the world? Roof about to fall in. Well, thankfully our roof didn't fall in, but you can count on this. You let a 120-pound block of ice fall on your home, it'll go through your roof. I mean, you, it's falling from thousands of feet. It will come through that roof. And so these are the things that are taking place. Now look at verse 17. Here's what it says. It is done. Now when you look at that, what, what, what is that expression that, that is understanding? We're saying we've gotten to the seventh vial. It's at that point that we understand the great tribulation is over with. All of the, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, they've gotten to an end. And so now they're, they're finished. And this angel or the great voice that comes out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. It's, it's all over with. And then when you look in verse 18, the Bible says that there are convulsions of nature that are described and the greatest earthquake that the world has ever seen takes place there in verse 18. Now what happens? Jerusalem splits into three sections. That's what... We're told. See there, verse 19, and the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Now, we know this is not Babylon because the Bible gets on to a later point. We talked about the destruction of Babylon uh, in Revelation chapter 18 uh, here a few weeks ago. But this right here is speaking geographically of the place that is understood as Babylon. Now, Babylon suffers the wrath of God. But keep in mind, now that you've only got really two cities that the world is focused in on, one is Jerusalem and one is Babylon. If you remember from the Old Testament, you remember back the Tower of Babel. That was in Genesis chapter 11, where the Tower of Babel was established and it was there that the city of Babel comes along. And then just a few chapters, in fact, it may even be the next chapter, maybe 15, I'm not, can't remember exactly, but you remember the Bible tells us that Abraham gets involved and meets this fellow who's the name, the king of Salem or the king of Jerusalem. And so what we're doing when you get to the book of Revelation, what, what you find out is the book of Genesis is the seedbed to understand everything that's taking place in the book of Revelation. Now, if you're not aware of this, keep in mind this fact about the book of Revelation, that there are more than 400 references 
that you read in the book of Revelation that pulls and retrieves something from the Old Testament. Now let me make a plug here. And I know I got after social media uh, Sunday night. <laughs> okay, but there's a podcast that I started on Podbean. Uh, it's also on iHeartRadio. It's called the TBC Tapes. And what I've done is I've uploaded the lectures of those classes. And I've, I listened to a lot of them while I was on the way to North Dakota. And uh, there was one lecture that I was listening to, Brother Griffin. And I thought, my goodness, my poor little Sony tape recorder that I was using sounded like a washing machine. And you could hear it in the background kind of humming while Brother Griffin was teaching. Uh, but I've, I've dropped out 44 lectures on the book on the old on Old Testament survey, and now Brother Enzi is starting to drop out wisdom literature. The first one of those dropped Sunday morning, so Sunday morning was the first one. Monday, second, Tuesday, three. Today was number four. They drop out every morning at six o'clock or somewhere thereabouts. And so, if you subscribe to that, either on iHeart or Podbean, or it's even even on some of the Google. Uh, platforms as well, then you can listen to those class lectures. And again, here's what is so astounding. I was listening to Brother Griffin on the way to North Dakota, and those lectures were given in the fall of 89. 34 years have passed, and I'm listening to that, and it's just as relevant now as it was 34 years ago. And I'm sitting there in the car. Brother Griffin is, is, a, is a year younger and Brother Patterson, so Brother Griffin now is 87, and uh, he's pretty well confined to his to his home now. But but again, the part where that you listen to what's being said is is 34 years ago. This Bible was very accurate, and now that I'm listening to it, it's like it's even more direct, and it's even more clear now to me than what it was 34 years ago. So if you're interested in that, that's um, for you there. So in verse 20, uh, Revelation chapter 16, uh, there's, there's a lot of geographical, lang or geographical changes that takes place. Some of those take place because of this earthquake that literally has shook the earth to its foundation. And look at what John says. He says, every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And then we mentioned that these drops of hail, that as much as 120 pounds. Now, if you want to turn back to Zechariah chapter 14, look at the description that was given to us in 487, where that he again describes uh, very accurately... Uh, now, John did have access to, to the writings of Zechariah, and yet as God unfolds these things to him 500 years later, now it's like even more precise of what Scripture has to say. And notice what it says there uh, in verse 4, the last half of that. Uh, He'll stand on the Mount of Olives and shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east, toward the west, there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the sea. Verse 5, And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel, 
And yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. You remember what that was about? The Bible tells us that Uzziah was a king. He decided that he was going to get out of his boundaries and he was going to go offer sacrifices and the priesthood withstood him. And the Bible says he went in anyway. Earthquake took place. He was smitten with leprosy and he died a leper. That's what Zechariah is having reference to. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. That's us. And so you've got an Old Testament prophet, and we often don't look at John. We look at John more as disciple and apostle. And yet John certainly was in the role of prophetic ministry. And there's a lot of push these days. People are buzzing about five-fold ministry. You may have heard some of that if you're around about social media and so forth. Uh, five-fold ministry. We've got to have apostles and prophets and, and uh, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And we've got to have them work in the church. And, and yet, here, here's the part. They generally worked without a lot of fanfare. And now our day, what we're wanting to do is we won't have a lot of fanfare. And we want to say, oh, this guy's an apostle. This guy is what, keep in mind what the apostle Paul did. The apostle Paul was very much, he did not like for people to be putting titles and positions on him. Here's what he said about, he said, I, I'm the, I want you to know this, I'm the chief of sinners. I may feel the role of an apostle. But I want you to understand, I'm not looking for a title. And so in our day, when fivefold ministry is being touted, be careful of those that want to tout themselves as apostle and prophet and so forth. And I'll just say this about me. I do fulfill the role of a pastor. It's rare that I tell anybody I'm a pastor. Years ago when I was working at the hospital and one of our surgeons, two of our surgeons, this just had an impact on me just as a kid. And one of them is still practicing. The other one is retired. And uh, I remember this, uh, this old fella got drunk somewhere down in the, in the edge, of Georgia, or edge of Florida. And uh, a water moccasin got after him while he was drinking. And uh, he come in, and I'm telling you, he was, he was messed up. And uh, this surgeon walked in, and you could tell they, they were not, they did not have much. And that surgeon didn't walk in there and say, hey, I'm Dr. So-and-so and this and that. He just walked in, and he said, my name is Randy Nichols. And he said, I'm going to help you get over the hump. And those two parents were probably, I don't know, probably in their 70s. Their son, drunk out of his head, Slurred speech. Thank you. I appreciate that, doctor. I, you, and no fanfare. No, that made an impression on me. And uh, so be careful whenever people want to tell you, Reverend Doctor Deacon, D.D. L.D., uh, Ph.D. Be careful of that. And so get you a good education and then get over it. Uh, and so, so anyway, so Paul. And so when we look at John, John filled the role apostle. He filled the role as a prophet, and yet he did not see himself in that manner. He just saw himself as somebody that's serving the kingdom of God and serving the church to advance 
and do the will and the purpose of God. I think those things ought to portray and work through in our lives. Now, when you see again two different writers from two completely different time eras describing the same event, then what that does is that even adds more accuracy to what the Word of God is having to say. So Jerusalem, Revelation 16, 19, divided into three segments. Zechariah 14 and 4 talks about the Mount of Olives being split into two parts and the valley that's created. That's again, the sovereignty of God is at play because that valley is just not some random act. What's taking place with the valley? The valley is an escape path. What's the escape? So that there can be a highway for them to get out of Jerusalem. That's pretty powerful on God's part. So I would just say this to you. Whatever challenges and difficulties that you may be facing right now at this moment, that God's already preparing a way. You can't see it right now. But when you get to that place and then you are there to step, then God opens the doors up and allows those things to follow through. That's why we ought to serve the Lord uh, with all of our hearts. Now, there's another cataclysmic event that, that takes place uh, in, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 29. Uh, the Bible uh, says there, Matthew 24 and 29... Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be, shake, shall be shaken. Now let's look at that for a minute. Uh, it says the sun is going to be dark, the moon is not going to give any light, and the stars are going to fall from the heaven. That means there's going to be a total blackout. Now, when you walk out tonight, the cloud cover is not there. The moon is full. That might be why your spouse is acting a little flaky. Okay? Uh, when I was still working at the hospital, they used to say, well, the moon's full tonight. The ER will be, doors will be flapping on the ER. And there were times where that was taking place. But, but again, think about this. Total blackout. No sun, no moon, no stars. This cataclysmic event that's take, that takes place. Now, let's cross-reference that and let's turn back in the Old Testament and I want you to go uh, to the book of Joel. Joel chapter 3 and let's look at verse 14. Here's what the Bible says, Joel chapter 3 and verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Now, if you mark in your Bibles, write down as a cross-reference Acts chapter 2 and verse 20, because Peter will revisit this whenever he preaches that sermon on the day of Pentecost. And so what's taking place here? There are multitudes that are going to be defeated in the valley of Joshua. 
Look at verse 15. The Bible says there, The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. So here's what happens. When you put Zechariah 14 together, when you put Matthew 24 together, and then when you put Joel chapter 3 together, then what happens is you get a full picture of what's taking place prophetically. Be careful whenever you're interpreting prophecy that you don't just grab one scripture and try to make that one scripture convince you of everything else that's taking place in the Bible. Because we need a multifaceted approach and that's why, again, we ought to be students of the Word of God. And I, I, I pray, y'all, I, I, I'll just be honest with you, I pray, I, work, I try to work hard at preaching and teaching because I want you to be able to know your Bible. That's the goal. Not to talk about how great and awesome and fantastic it may or may not be. That's not the goal. The goal is, is I want you to have some proficiency in Scripture so that it's not, you're, you're, you're not. Have you ever had to take a test, a pop test really? And you took that test and you thought, man, I bombed this thing. And most of the time the reason we bomb pop tests is because we didn't study <laughs> the material that we were supposed to go over. Well, trust me, there's coming a, a test and it's not a pop test. You know right now the test is on the way. And there's coming a test. And the goal is, is to get you prepared so you believe this book. Because know this, what you read affects the way you think. Okay, so let's keep tracking through Joel. Look at verse 16. Here's what else the scripture says. The Lord shall also, or the Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth, earth shall shake. Okay? Then we read about an earthquake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. And then look in verse 17. So shall ye know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain, and then shall Jerusalem be holy and there shall be no strangers pass through her anymore. All of these events end the great tribulation and now the campaign that we've gone through eight stages of the battle of Armageddon has been completed. Now next Wednesday night, um, and next Wednesday night you don't want to miss, you don't want to miss any service, but anyways, uh, I'm going to spend some more time with Babylon uh, the city, the political, the ecclesiastical part, and we're going to get into some stuff next Wednesday night. And uh, if I had another hour, I'd just take off on it and go now because I'm pretty excited about what is in store. But you do not want to miss uh, next Wednesday night. And so again, tomorrow night, if you can, uh, and text somebody that's not here and just tell them, hey, we need to show up with as, as many of us that can be there because, again, I, this is a concerning matter uh, for, our, for our community. Why don't we stand and uh, let's just thank the Lord for His goodness in our lives. Thank God that singing tonight, I know, I know it's more, but it was Phillips, Craig, and Dean.
And uh, all of a sudden, I was reverted back to when my kids were kids. And we used to track around and wherever Phillips, Craig, and Dean was doing a concert, we'd take our kids uh, to those concerts. And so tonight when we got to singing that song, I got, I think it was the Holy Ghost. It might have been just nostalgia, but <laughs> I got to singing that song. And, and man, it just, and then praying tonight was a blessing. And I pray that the word of the Lord has, has stimulated your mind and your heart here tonight. Let, let's thank the Lord for his goodness. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful, Lord, for your spirit. I'm thankful, God, that we were able, Lord, to pray and to speak, Lord, with you tonight about the concerns of our heart. And I pray, Lord, that the things, God, that we put, Lord, in your hands, that, God, that there will be a remedy and a solution, and, Lord, even salvation that would take place. I pray, God, for our community. There's things, Lord, that we're battling and we are facing now as a city. And I pray, God, that somehow, Lord, let righteousness prevail. Help us, God, as a city, Lord, to understand that there are spiritual battles that are being fought. And, Lord, we want to do our part. We want to serve, Lord, this local church to, to somehow to do, God, what you would have us to do. I pray, Lord, tonight that you would keep your hand about us until we get back, Lord, to this place of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.